Our scripture reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, through chapter 4, verse 1. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you very much, Peggy. This is a very important letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. We know it is a letter because, as was the custom back in these days, Paul begins by saying who is sending the letter, who is receiving the letter, and a greeting. We have a form of letters different today. We say, dear so-and-so, saying who it's sent to first, and then we have our name down at the bottom. But in letters back in these days, it was the sender's name that was first, then the recipient, and then the greeting. So we know, when you look at verse 1 of this whole book of Philippians, you see it is indeed a letter that was sent to the beloved church at Philippi. Paul loved this church. And I would argue that any pastor who's ever been in the church for any amount of time and was loved to any degree at all is going to love that church. Just because of the relations you build and the people that you get to know and the people that you really want to care about. So Paul is writing a letter to a specific church and the people in that church because he cares, because he loves them. He's also writing to encourage them. And don't we all need encouragement now and then? So he's writing to encourage the church to keep the path to keep up the good fight and keep doing what they've been doing. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. Don't give in. So it's a letter to this church. In chapter 2, there's a confusing verse that kind of sums up in a few simple words the essence of what Paul is saying in this letter. He says in that one verse in chapter 2, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now those words that Paul penned and was sent by Timothy, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, sounds kind of counterculture, doesn't it? Certainly in our world today, fewer and fewer are going to church, fewer and fewer believe that Putting our faith in God really matters, in the culture at least. And so, when we say for us to live as Christ, 
anybody in the secular world is going to say, what? What does that mean? Paul summed it up very nicely in a very few words, which is very unlike Paul, by the way. Paul is like me. He used a lot of words. Sometimes one sentence would be three or four verses. You think I talk a lot. But here, Paul is being concise. He's being a good reporter, a good letter writer. And he's saying that for me, Paul, the apostle, I want to speak boldly about Christ and I want to be more like him. Isn't that the definition of Christian? To speak about Christ and to try to live more like him. I would argue that any new member of a church and any old time member of the church and any baptized member of the church ought to be doing those two things. Speaking about Christ and trying to be like him. Very simple in Paul's mind, but not easy to execute. In fact, it's really hard to be a good Christian. Because we can say all the right things, but people aren't watching our words. They're watching what? Our actions, our deeds, what we do with our lives. They speak volumes compared to our mere words. And people are watching all the time. Oh, those people are Christians. They say they know what love is, but look how they treat each other. In St. Louis or, wh- or wherever, right? That was an ugly meeting, by the way, the other week, where both sides that were juxtaposed did not treat each other very well or very Christian at all, in my opinion. doesn't matter where you side on the issues. Both extreme sides were downright unchristian. And that's what got, got me bothered. Because the world is watching. And the world is watching how we act as Christians, not just how we preach or teach or talk. We've got to walk the walk. We said that before. And for us to live as Christ is to make sure that when we are living out our lives, we are doing the best we can to be like Him. I get it wrong a lot of the time. I know that. But John Wesley said that as a Christian, we ought to be doing better today than we did today. And better the next day than the day before that. That it's a progression. That we are working toward an end goal. And yes, we're going to mess up. And yes, we're going to get it wrong. Thank you, Jeremy. Do you hear that frog in my throat? Uh Uh-huh. Ribbit, ribbit. Are you awake? Okay. I know I'm not funny, but come on. At least smile a little bit. So Paul's message is pretty clear. Pretty straightforward. Concise. But it's not easy to follow up with. Albert Einstein once said these words, or penned these words. He said, setting an example is not the main means of influencing others. It is the only means. Are you a good example? 
for your children, for your grandchildren, for your neighbors, for those even who persecute you, Paul would say. Are you a good example? We know that Jesus was. Right? We know that Paul was eventually. When he was younger, he did the exact wrong things, too. He persecuted Christians, in fact. Killed people for not being a good Jew and believing this renegade Jesus character. But Albert Einstein, a very wise person, said that we influence others, and it's the only way we can, by how we live, by what we do. In essence, you could argue that the real rubber that hits the road for the Christian is our work ethic, or our faith ethic, how we live out our faith. Mere words don't really count for much. Anybody can say anything. It's what we do to back up the words. It's the example that we are trying to live every day that makes the difference and meets people where they're at. I have a question. Have you ever played follow the leader? Anybody? I remember as a kid playing follow the leader. I was one of those little chicks in that picture, you know. And following the leader is a great game and a great way for us to live. The problem is, watch what leader you're following. I'm assuming you all heard the news this week about some of those out in California who bribed their children to get into college. One of those women was a person I looked up to on Full House. And it reminded me so much this week, we were in a meeting this past week, in a church meeting, and it came up there, that when we follow somebody in this human life, we know that they're going to fail. We're all going to fail. We are human. And so picking our leader that we're going to follow is very, very important. Rose, there are all kinds of coaches out there, right? All kinds of coaches. Some good ones and some, how can we say, not so good ones. And when players are on a team, they're following the leader, right? They're following the coach. And when they're recruited in the college level to play on a team, they want to go to that team for a reason, but sometimes they're disappointed if the coach doesn't meet their expectations. And I'm sure the same is also true. When you recruit somebody, sometimes you're disappointed when they don't meet up to what your expectations are. So who is the leader that we are following? Very important question every single time we follow the leader. Because some leaders can lead us astray or down a dark path. When you are in the presence of a good leader, you know it. Words can't always describe it, but you know it. So watch who you follow. And don't always be so disappointed when some leaders let us down. It's human nature. It's going to happen. 
Here's another quote from 2 Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Anybody want to guess who wrote those words? You might think Timothy, but no, it's Paul. Pardon me? Yep, Timothy and Paul work together. If you want to look to somebody who lived the Christian life, who in fact lived out these words, you don't have to go any further than the source, Paul and Timothy. Paul is saying in Philippians, I want you to live as a Christian, and I want you to live like me. Now, that might sound kind of arrogant. And some people, in fact, some scholars have said that Paul was a little bit proud of himself at times. But Paul was making a very important distinction here. He was not living his life for Paul at this point. He was living his life for Christ. And that makes all the difference in the world. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of heroes in my life. Heroes in the world at large, some teachers in my high school, and college, and seminary education. I've had some heroes close to home in my own family, my mom and dad, my grandparents. People that I look up to and aspire to be a little bit like in this life. I don't know about you, but when I lose somebody, lost my dad about eight and a half years ago now, you never get over that loss, do you? I mean, we move on and we grieve and we aren't stopping to live, but we never stop missing that person. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm driving in my truck and last night was an example. I'm driving back from Western PA and I'm talking out loud like somebody's there. See, I'm kind of crazy, I guess. They always say, it's okay if you talk to yourself just so you don't answer yourself. I'm doomed. Dude, I'm really doomed. But I spoke to my dad last night, and I, and I, I said out loud, I thanked him. I said, thank you, Dad. Because I didn't know it as a kid growing up, but my mom and dad didn't have a whole lot. I didn't really know how poor our family was until I got older, looking back on it. But my brother and I didn't want for anything. And we had some of the best experiences that you could ever ask for as a kid growing up. We didn't travel the world, but man, did we see a lot of neat things. Where I grew up, we, we had the run of the field and the woods, and we just had so many good times. Mom and Dad would take us to different people that we got to know, and some weren't even really that close in their family, but they were friends that they met somewhere else, and we got to be so close to those friends that it was like family anyway. And my dad's personality, just the way he was, his smile, and the way he talked with so many different people, and strangers included, I want to be like that. So I thanked my dad last night for all the things he showed us. And, and that's what Paul is saying here. We have people in our lives 
that we should look up to. I can think of another one. I had a professor in seminary, Dr. Gowan, Dr. Don Gowan, always Dr. Gowan to me. He was absolutely my favorite professor. He was so nice. He was so incredibly knowledgeable. And he wanted to teach us the Bible, the Old Testament scriptures. I took every single class he offered in my three years there at seminary because I wanted to sit at his feet and learn. When somebody has fought the good fight and has done these things, we learn by looking at them. Trying to be like them. Try to be like Paul. Try to be like Christ. Henry David Thoreau once penned these words. Live your beliefs and you can turn the world around. I don't know how you feel, but I look at the news and I get depressed. I look at a lot of things today and think... Holy cow! See, I'm from Munster County, so I always say holy cow. Holy moly! We're in a mess. But we can turn the world around. Now, you might say, that's Pollyanna, Bob. You're just kind of dreaming. What is life without a dream? What is life without hope? Don't just watch Facebook. Don't just watch the TV news. Because life is a whole lot more than just that. Life's a lot more than just that. Yes, there's some truth there. But life is bigger and better than just the things that we see day to day. Don't you think? Two dollars a week can change the property and building in this church. I'm going to go a little longer today. Do you mind? A few more minutes is all I need. I heard something last week that uh, kind of disturbed me. And I know that I'm biased. I'm in the church. I'm a preacher. Now you can say, well, Bob, you're a pastor. I, I'm, I like to preach. This, right now, is what I like to do. And I believe that in our world today, in 2019, there is still a place for traditional preaching. Any amens out there? I believe that the message of God matters and that it can and should be heard by people in our world today. And in our church our global church, the Big C Church, I just don't think there's enough good preaching going on. Now, I don't think I hit a home run every day or every Sunday. I get that. But I think preaching is important. Two dollars can make a difference in our property and building fund. One new visitor a week Coming to church for how many weeks in a row can make a difference too. 
I look back at the Miller family. I want to pick on you guys for a minute. I'm very proud of you. Sharing your waves to me. The Millers came to this church in large part thanks to Troop 86. Am I right? They've been coming to the troop for a while because you boys are getting older now. And when they started to come to Scout Sunday, I believe, they'd be in this part of the building. All the other times they were down in the scout room or somewhere downstairs. Maybe for a meeting, that's just once in a while, Amanda, but, you know, it was at Boy Scout Sunday and Dick Sipe and others who they would come to see and be part of the Scout Sunday. And I, I'll, I'm gonna speak for you. If I'm wrong, Amanda and Jeremy, please tell me. But I think they liked what they heard. Okay? Not just me, but the compassion of the church and our prayer time and, and everything else. Worship is vital to our church. And I get tired of all these so-called experts and bishops and other people that think they know everything. That just bugs me, first of all. I know some coaches like that too, Rose, but that's not our story. When somebody says they have the magic answer to fix our declining membership, I turn my ears off. Because I don't think anybody has a magic answer. We know that worship attendance is declining in our nation. We're becoming kind of in the beginning like Europe used to be. And now those temples are very empty. Just a museum, for lack of a better word, basically. I don't want this place, Kay, to be a museum. Yes, we have a lot of history, but I want this to be a living, breathing church that has some good preaching in it, great music, we know it already does, and share the word with other people. I'm going to add to Kay's encouragement. Yes, $2 a week on that other side of your envelope. But I want you to also try your best to bring somebody to worship. Might be somebody you never thought to ask before. Might simply be a neighbor or a friend at school or a friend at work. Talk about it at lunchtime, not during school or hours of work. It might be somebody in your family. If you think, like the Miller family thinks, that this place is an important place to be on Sunday morning, then be like Paul. Speak about Christ. Share him with somebody else. And if you can't do that, bring him here. We can do it for you. I believe that the United Methodist Church is still a vital denomination in our nation. Regardless of all the mess we've created and all the humanity that we are, there's still a place for worship and preaching, don't you think? I believe, I know I'm biased, I admit that, I'm, I said before, I'm biased, I'm a preacher. 
But I believe what we do in here with worship and music and reading of Scripture and preaching is very important. If it's not, I'll retire early and go my way. But I believe that it's still vital for us here in Stroudsburg today. One last slide, and it's all about this book of Philippians, this one section Peggy read today. Act. There's a reason why the early church book of our New Testament is called the book of Acts. Thank you, Diane, the book of Acts. Thank you, Peggy. We don't just pretend to be Christians. We don't just talk about being Christians. We don't even just sing about being Christians. We act as Christians. Or at least we should. I saw some pictures, Marisa, of the work trip you went on three years ago, three and a half years ago. One of my favorite pictures, I'll have to show it to you sometime because even here on Sunday morning maybe sometime because it's a great picture. It shows her poppy and me watching her work. I think her dad was kind of giving some instruction, but we're watching her work. And we in the church need more workers. We don't need more talkers. We need more workers. Those who live out their faith by what we do in addition to what we say. How we live is going to be the mark to make a difference in somebody else's life. It was that way for Jesus, that way for Paul, that way for Timothy, and that way for you and me. We can say all the things you want to say, but what we do and how we do it is what people are watching. Thank you for your time. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your message to us in the words of Scripture. Sometimes we ignore those words. Sometimes we don't even begin to understand them. And sometimes we even make them mean things they didn't even mean initially. God, help us to be more clear in our understanding of you. Help us, God, not just to believe, but help us to act like Christians. Amen.